Uh, this is Dan Zhang with uh, KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Coming up, uh, Subversity with Dan Zhang. Uh, today we're going to be focusing on the events in Venezuela, uh, the uh, aftermath of a vote, a referendum vote in Venezuela. And with us is a uh, guest, uh, Professor James Petrus uh, from New York. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, what do you think of the events? Uh, the people in Langley must be celebrating. Well, it's an uh, extremely polarized uh, situation. The vote was uh, 1.5% uh, difference between the yes and the no, and uh, I think it's a mixed outcome. Uh, I think the no uh, was won by this narrowest of margins, unprecedented in the history of uh, elections in uh, Venezuela. And the fact is that uh, over 49% of the voters came out for a straight uh, socialist constitutional reform, which is probably the highest vote in the world at this time for uh, what we might call a property transformation. So I think that's uh, have to keep that in mind. The second thing, and uh, really the most important, is to look at the configuration of power that uh, existed in favor of the no. You had an unprecedented mobilization of uh, U.S. Uh, intervention. Uh, we've learned uh, since yesterday that the U.S. Uh, poured in uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars through its Agency for International Development to train these uh, student street fighters and uh, demonstrators and $8 million in uh, propaganda funding and uh, buying ads in the newspaper, etc. We had uh, the major business associations, Fede Cameras, Chambers of Commerce, uh, and we had, thirdly, the mass media, 95% of which was uh, privately owned and engaged in the most virulent uh, propaganda campaign. You had the entire Catholic hierarchy, from the cardinals down to the parish priests, using uh, the uh, pulpit as a uh, bully uh, form to uh, push the uh, opposition to these constitutional reforms, raising the issue that the state would steal children from the poor and put them in uh, state institutions and orphanages. Uh, and uh, you had, in addition to that, you had social democrats uh, either being bought off or uh, uh, defecting to the right, uh, liberal social democrats, the European variety, and you had the usual band of Trotskyites uh, engaging in their ultra-left-wing rhetoric, attacking uh, Chavez's democratic reforms as a Bonapartist and joining the uh, right-wing clack. So you had a, a, a tremendous uh, configuration of power uh, that got... Uh, united enough to drag in uh, from the extreme right to the uh, extreme left against the uh, popular neighborhood organizations and uh, the government. And uh, the government only had its major uh, one television outlet and uh, community radios, no newspaper, 
uh, against this, and they had to be uh, rely entirely on the grassroots program. So uh, that's what it means to say the no vote. We're talking about an um, extremely coordinated, extremely well-funded, subsidized uh, U.S.-backed uh, no referendum. So how much do you attribute to the U.S. destabilization efforts? Well, there's an important factor. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the exclusive factor. It certainly played a triple role much beyond the simply pouring money and having uh, uh, training operatives, Venezuelans. It, it played a role in, in pulling these groups together, that is, making sure they buried at least temporarily their differences between uh, more moderate uh, people looking for electoral uh, co-optation of uh, elements of the Chavez to outright thugs, uh, fascists, uh, golpistas, uh, plotting military coups. So they played a very important role in in making sure that these groups uh, fought Chavez and the uh, referendum constitutional changes rather than fighting themselves. That's that was an important element here. The U.S. Embassy played a, a big role in making sure that these groups, with their own interests involved, that is, the mass media wants to extend uh, their tentacles over uh, control of the media markets and increase their profits. Uh, capitalism uh, wants to get, to get away from any capital controls. They want to get more of the oil money. The church hierarchy is opposed to uh, the extension of secular public education, particularly in the slum districts. Uh, the Social Democrats are, uh, were amenable to taking funds from the uh, U.S.-sponsored uh, NGOs. And the uh, ultra-left, the loony left, uh, as usual, uh, couldn't tell the difference between uh, a socialist and a, and a right-winger. Uh, they lumped them all in the same bag and ended up backing the right-wing initiative. So we have uh, all these uh, different groups, uh, in a sense, united on uh, opposition to democratic uh, social transformation. The irony is that uh, the BBC, but in, in a much greater degree, Le Monde, uh, El País and Spain and all of the U.S. media were calling Chavez a dictator when 95% of the uh, uh, television and print media were operating full blast, fabricating lies. And I must say the the NBC, ABC, CBS, National Public Radio, all the mass media were absolutely vitriolic. I mean, it sounded like the Stalin... Uh, 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 prosecutor in treating with Chavez. Everything that you can think of as far as insults were in this press, from lies about the fact that there were no international observers, was on television uh, Saturday night, that uh, an outright lie, there were at least a 100 official observers and several hundred that came from non-government organizations, to the New York Times publishing ads comparing Chavez to Stalin and the Gulag. I mean, <laughs> this is the kind of unadulterated bullshit that we got over the respectable media. I'm talking about the Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, the New York Times, you name it, 
and they poured the garbage pail over Chavez's head. You never got to know that he was extending Social Security to the informal sector, 40% of the population, that he was reducing the work uh, work data from 40 to 36 hours, that he was assuming powers to expropriate large landed, uncultivated landed estates in order to distribute it to uh, landless and small uh, farmers. None of this ever was put. All they talked about was the uh, re-election process that would be instituted, much like you exist in all the parliamentary systems in the world. It's only in presidential systems like you have in France and partially in France and in, uh, in the United States where you have limited re- re-election. But every place else where you have a parliamentary system, you can run for office as many times as you want, as Blair did as uh, Howard did in Australia, the Liberal Democratic Party has been ruling for almost 60 years, uh, etc. So uh, the, these uh, straw persons that were put up as, uh, as part of the uh, propaganda campaign uh, deluged our media. I, I will say the BBC made some feeble attempts, particularly in the last week, of, of pointing out some of the other issues, but they also emphasized uh, this re-election issue and the exceptional powers. The exceptional powers issue is something which is inherent in any government that's threatened by military uprisings, and and Venezuela had a military uprising uh, organized by some of the very civilian forces and, and, and military uh, uh, opponents in 19, in 2002 they had a boss's lockout that cost the country $10 billion and the government had every right uh, to declare a state of emergency and put these people in jail and, and, uh, and, and that's what Chavez was asking for the capacity to defend democracy against these violent uh, uh, types of activity and this was pointed as a, a move towards Stalinism, or as the uh, Maoists and Trotskyists uh, labeled it, a, uh, a Bonapartist move. So they put <laughs> the sh- so the, these loony lefts joined with the hard right in uh, their own way and uh, and uh, and rejected some of the most uh, important social legislation we've seen in the Western world in the last forty years. Do you, how much influence was that? Um was the CIA in, involved in this? Well, the CIA, I, I uh, publicized the memo in, uh, in, the, uh, in the several articles. Uh, they were involved. They, uh, as I mentioned, they, uh, in their memo, they claimed they had funneled $8 million into the campaign at, just for propaganda purposes. They didn't mention the other agencies that were operative and they only counted the last couple of weeks of the campaign, so there was plenty of U.S. funding involved. They, they certainly trained, uh, uh, openly admit to training student agitators and uh, cadres to get out and do some of the street fighting, including ex-Maoists, <laughs> strange bedfellows. Um, 
they were also involved in encouraging the mass media and virulent campaign. They also, through the embassy, were very influential in the media reports that came out in the United States. And <clears throat> they clearly were working with the ex-Minister of Defense, Badwell, in trying to foment the military uh, indiscipline and the participation in toppling uh, Chavez. Uh, on that count, uh, they were in the, in the, in the uh, waiting room to see how the referendum. I think they will now push to uh, use this uh, slight victory uh, to try to uh, either weaken Chavez or uh, uh, try to derail any further changes and maybe reverse the changes that have already taken place. Is there a danger of a coup? Uh, there is one tendency in the, in the opposition that it's hard to say how strong it is, uh, but uh, that's uh, ex-General Badwell, uh, who got some feature play in the British and, uh, and, and U.S. press. He, he had an editorial in the New York Times. He has called on the, uh, the uh, opposition to sustain their campaign because, as he says, Chavez still has legislative, uh, the Chavistas have legislated, uh, can legislate changes that weren't uh, possible through the Constitution. So apparently he wants to do away with the legislature and, uh, uh, and Chavez in order that they can't pass laws. <laughs> so uh, he, he's there, and he's the... Uh, He's the lead man in, uh, in trying to turn the opposition from the referendum into a new campaign uh, to uh, displace the government and, uh, and the supporting legislature. The legislature is still about 80, 85 percent uh, with President Chavez, and uh, they certainly can uh, put on the, on the agenda uh, new legislation that facilitates the uh, uh, progressive changes, and I think they're very necessary because uh, the Chavez government has been very lax in dealing with uh, opposition uh, obstructionism, particularly in the uh, provision of food. And I think uh, this uh, really was a very costly mistake by the uh, Chavez government in not tackling the uh, the uh, wholesalers, retailers, uh, distribution networks uh, in supplying food, the food scarcity issue, certainly led to uh, a, a huge increase in abstention. As you know, the opposition only won with 26% of the electorate. There was a there was low turnout, right? 45% abstention in the election. Like 50, 40, 45%, which means the wow. opposition got approximately 26% Twenty-eight uh, percent of the electorate, and the turnout was what? Less fifty percent. The uh, turnout was approximately fifty-five percent, mm. and uh, so the opposition got twenty-eight percent of uh, of that, and uh, so it, it's uh, hardly a uh, resounding electoral mandate to do whatever they think they can do, and it's it's not clear they all share the same program besides opposing Chavez. Now, the abstentionists, and this is very important, the right only increased their vote uh, 300,000 over their vote of the presidential elections. 
three million Chavez voters, um, uh, the Chavez vote and the referendum is enormous difference. Chavez in 2006 got three million votes more than what the referendum got. If we subtract the 300,000 that went to the opposition, assuming even that that was from uh, people that previously voted for Chavez, there's 2.7 million people that abstained from voting for Ch for the referendum that voted for Chavez. And, and I think we need to look at that because it's all well and good to look at the powerful configuration of the right, but also to look at what indisposed people to repeat their vote, uh, vote for the referendum. And I think one of the key triple factors was first of all the scarcity of goods and they're the right-wing business associations the chamber of commerce the big wholesalers and and the distributors and supermarkets played a crucial role chavez imported hundreds of millions of dollars worth of meat grains and other foodstuffs that never made it onto the shelves of popular of stores in popular neighborhoods uh, a good deal of it was hoarded and channeled into upper-class uh, supermarkets. Uh, a, a good deal of it was uh, was channeled into uh, street vendors and black marketeers. A lot of it was hoarded in the run-up to the uh, referendum. Uh, the government uh, pleaded with the distributors. They uh, asked them. Uh, to uh, facilitate distribution, they were totally ignored, and the government did not intervene, did not set up its own uh, distribution networks. Uh, it failed to control the shipments of goods, and even in its own public stores, some of the managers, uh, the so-called Chavista managers, were involved in black marketeering, and there was no decisive government action for getting a powdered milk, uh, beans, uh, sugar, uh, cooking oil, all these essential items went short. And then uh, the second factor was inflation. There's been huge disinvestment, capital flight in Venezuela, and the government did nothing. They did nothing to prevent massive capital flight out of the country because the whole banking system is in private hands, and uh, the government uh, central bank was totally lax. Uh, apart from saying that you had to hold down wages, the formulas of the right, the, pro the, the central bank, everybody said, was uh, autonomous, which is more garbage. The central bank was following the, the lead of the financial markets, and all the recommendations were in line with international financial groups. So that's why Chavez wanted to end so-called autonomy, was to put the central banks functioning under the control of elected officials instead of following the lead of financial uh, financial bankers. Uh, and, and that was another problem that the... Uh, there was no control over the entire private sector, which dominates manufacturing uh, and uh, financial uh, activities. So what was needed, and Chavez saw that, is through the constitutional amendment, put the government in a position 
to produce and to finance through selective nationalizations. And, and that uh, change now will have to be confronted because uh, capital and big business smell blood and uh, they'll push to uh, even lessen, uh, put le- more pressure on lessening government regulation, government intervention. How about oil? Um, was it true that the he oil would, is the yeah. big cow that's being milked by the private sector, and the government has used it to finance its social policies, but it also has been financing a great deal of private sector activity. But the private sector is not investing; it's recycling this money into speculation, mammoth imports. Can you imagine? Despite Venezuela's huge. Uh, windfall profits, the government is still going on the uh, financial markets and borrowing money because between uh, its own spending and its uh, the cap the run of capital, uh, it's inadequate to meet the demands uh, of a functioning economy. Hmm. So, so we have a problem. There's enormous windfall profits. But they're not being recycled in the private sector to uh, to diversifying the economy, increasing agricultural production, etc. So it's uh, the combination of Venezuela was social welfare and private capital, and that's uh, demonstrated not to work. You either have to move on the private capital to fund the social welfare, or you just have to forget about social welfare and fund capital. How about the uh, the threat to cut off uh, oil to U.S.? Well, that was a warning that's sh- shooting over the bow uh, of, of Chavez so that they don't become more aggressively open in uh, organizing their uh, intervention. There was continuing U.S. intervention, and the government was pretty lax about it despite the rhetorical flourish of Chavez. The fellow at the embassy still that authored the memo that uh, described their intervention in Venezuela wasn't even kicked out of the country. It was discussed in the foreign office, and they did nothing. I mean, even a diplomatic slap on the wrist uh, was avoided. So the fact is the U.S. is still there operating full uh, full blast, and, uh, and again, the government has moved uh, very lackadaisically on this. Chavez himself, of course, has spoken vigorously against U.S. intervention uh, there, against its wars in the Middle East, uh, etc., but uh, the U.S. is still operating out of its base. Uh, USAID is still channeling money into the opposition, uh, etc. The NGOs that Washington subsidizes are still engaged in politicking in, uh, against the government. So there hasn't been any real clampdown on U.S. activities there. Uh, is, do you not believe the memo is authentic? Absolutely. Uh, the U.S., uh, for one week, uh, said nothing about it, and then later they denied it. Uh, it's part of the uh, whole operation, credible deniability, it's called. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that it resonates with exactly what the U.S. was doing in Venezuela. You don't have to guess about this. When you see the U.S. training overseas uh, foreign students and then sending them back to Venezuela, Venezuelan students, when uh, when you see uh, ads coming into the paper 
uh, with the U.S. Uh, propaganda line, when you see uh, coordinated activities organized uh, out of the U.S. Embassy, uh, you don't have to make uh, imp- uh, you don't have to make very subtle implications. It's all explicit between correspondence between behavior, U.S. priorities, and U.S. funding. How about the argument that there, they could, there was no uh, original English version? Well, they have the version in English, the Venezuelan government, and uh, and they reproduced it in Spanish. Ah. So what 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 else? Should they have duplicated the U.S. memo and circulated it around the world? Perhaps they should have, and uh, it would have at least uh, knocked down another one of the. Uh, 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 propaganda props of the uh, of the uh, media uh, of the of the uh, provisions in that referendum. Which one was the most important? You think in terms of improving lives there? Well, the uh, social security coverage for forty percent of the labor force for uh, domestic servants, uh, street vendors, uh, peddlers, gardeners messenger boys, uh, all those sectors that amount to 40% in which half of them are still under the poverty line. Venezuela still has a poverty level of approximately 25 to 30%, and uh, they are concentrated overwhelmingly in the non-wage sector, which is called the informal sector. So they, they are very much hurt because they will lose any pensions, vacation times, paid vacations, paid maternity leaves, etc. So they are the biggest victims as far as the general population goes. The peasants are also affected because it doesn't provide. The, the current agrarian reform law has to go through a whole maze of uh, adjudication processes, which delays it enormously. So you have uh, probably about a half a million uh, rural uh, poor that could be uh, could have benefited from this uh, measure. Uh, you have uh, the entire working class, which would have gained four hours of additional leisure time with pay. Uh, so they were adversely affected. And uh, you can run down the list of other political changes which the government could have used to attack inflation and scarcity of food uh, contrived uh, and the uh, control of the financial system by uh, turning the uh, uh, central bank from uh, the international financiers into uh, instrument of the executive branch tied to new social programs. So there's a number of uh, groups that will be uh, adversely affected. But, as I said before, the confusion and anger of uh, many, many poor people at the failure of government ministers to deal with inflation. Uh, That's very important. I'll tell you why. Uh, wage workers, unionized wage workers, can build into their collective bargain agreement an index, wage index to inflation. Whether they do or don't depends on their union's bargaining power. The informal sector have no mechanisms to compensate for inflation. They are the hardest hit by inflation because they have 
more or less the same income and facing rising prices for their basic uh, foodstuffs. So they are driven crazy by inflation. Secondly, uh, they cannot buy on the black market. Or if they do, it absorbs a very higher proportion of their incomes. The failure of the government to intervene on inflation, either by indexing the minimum wage or uh, or directly intervening in the productive sector to control prices. They had price controls are totally ineffective and in and where they were effective, capital simply said, "We're not our profits are not big enough. We're going to hold off producing or distributing goods." So they were caught in the trap of private ownership and the impossibility of using simple regulation. They either have to own the industries to produce and distribute, or they're subject to this kind of capitalist blackmail. And those factors. It intervened and affected the three three million three million voters that a year earlier had voted for Chavez. And now, why didn't they vote for the referendum? And I think it was bread and butter issues uh, at, on the daily level, uh, going into a store, not finding them with any uh, powdered milk for the kids. For sure. Uh, what do you see the prospects in the next five years of the re- remainder of his term? Well, there's a big debate going on uh, between the within the right and within uh, the Chavez coalition. Uh, the hard right is going uh, is going to push for more crises, uh, confrontation. Uh, for them, this uh, was the first step to a toppling the government. The soft right is going to try to uh, form a coalition or bargain or negotiate with the uh, soft left. In, uh, in the government, uh, trying to see if they can uh, uh, freeze the process or reverse some of these uh, regulations and, uh, and maybe uh, collaborate with the government on the basis of a, uh, a more liberalized agenda. Uh, on the other hand, uh, on, the, on the government side, on the Chavez side, the rank-and-file poor people are clamoring for action on um, immediate impact programs. Uh, They want government to intervene, okay, if it's socialist or capitalist or whatever, but deal with the problems of uh, scarcities, inflation, uh, and related problems of uh, standard of living, and the government has to act as far as the the mass base. Uh, At the top, you have the uh, soft left or the liberal left in the government, which uh, will interpret this as they, they're going too far too fast. And, uh, and they're going to say, well, we've got a mixed economy, but we've been squeezing capital too much. Uh, we have to loosen up and allow free enterprise more space and resources. And contrary to this will be a more radical left, which is going to say, look, uh, cooperating with capital has led us into disaster. It's alienated our base. We have to move uh, faster and harder to it, extending uh, from government regulation to government ownership. And within this hard left, you have people that are pushing more for public ownership and uh, state management, you know, other sector that's pushing for greater uh, worker participation, workers' councils, etc. But within this latter group of radicals, 
especially the worker council groups, they're fragmented among a variety of Trotskyite uh, leftist groups. Uh, that's uh, groups that have uh, not shown a great uh, capacity to unify their forces into a coherent program. And there's Chavez towering above all of these different factions uh, and trying to put together uh, a strategy of advancing the social changes within the existing constitutional framework. How about foreign relations? Uh, what's happening with uh, Colombia? Uh, well, the, this is one of the big problems. I think one of the weaknesses in the campaign was Chavez devoted too much time out of the country and with irrelevant issues. The interchange, he should have known that Uribe would never uh, come to any agreements on prisoner exchange. He wasted a lot of time, energy, at a time when he should have been in the country working on the domestic front. Same thing with his travels overseas with uh, in Iran and uh, Saudi Arabia and his uh, participation in the Ibero-American Conference, uh, the spat with, uh, with that tin horn monarch in Spain. Uh, I, I think that generally the Chavez government has to devote a greater amount of time and resources to building his base and the economy in Venezuela. All the grandiose uh, uh, integration schemes with Latin America, the subsidies uh, to, to foreign countries, uh, he's not in a position to be a world, a generous world uh, godfather. He's got to devote an enormous amount of time to the social and economic issues in Venezuela. It's, he's not in a position to go and try to convince neoliberals like Lula uh, and general screw-ups like Evo Morales uh, and try to bail them out or provide uh, uh, grandiose schemes of integration. It's not going to work. There are no other Chavez in Latin America. There are no other nationalists in Latin America willing and able to, uh, to cooperate in his uh, his dream of a great uh, unified Latin America. That's not on the agenda. He has to realize it. It's a, it's a distant goal. It's an ideal, but the uh, political components of it don't exist in Latin America. And he has the components to build socialism in Venezuela and use that example to encourage uh, movements in Latin America to change their governments and create the basis for Latin American integration. Which government is the most supportive outside? I mean, which well, outside? Well, supportive. He's got the uh, trade agreements, investment agreements with Cuba. That's the principal and most reliable access. Uh, he has uh, political support from Bolivia, Ecuador, and Nicaragua. Uh, he has uh, lucrative uh, long-term uh, trade agreements, investment agreements with the capitalist, the liberal government in, in Argentina. Uh, he has international agreements uh, with China and Iran, uh, hardly uh, socialist uh, governments. Uh, so, I mean, they've diversified their ties, that's good, but to uh, invest the kinds of uh, resources and time and attention 
is a capital mistake. I don't think Venezuela is in a position to fund the world when it still has 30% people living in poverty, when uh, there's scarcities of basic items in, uh, in the supermarkets for the poor. It's got to be a tremendous inversion of uh, the current uh, commitments of Chavez. He's got to look inward and downward instead of upward and outward and upward. Uh, you mentioned China, and I noted that uh, a couple of years ago you wrote a piece on China bashing. And um, can you elaborate well, on that? Good. China is a big market. It's an alternate uh, petroleum minerals market. But China is not investing in manufacturing in Venezuela. It's not uh, investing in cooperatives in Venezuela. It's interested in extraction to fund its own industrialization as a trading partner for energy resources. Fine, but to look to China as a uh, sponsor or financier of uh, diversifying Venezuela's economy, forget it. Uh, on, in your piece, you talked about China, uh, you were talking about China bashing and the and how the U.S. was left out off the hook. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I, I'm running out of time here. I have yeah. another interview in five minutes, so I, I really think that the U.S. has uh, attacked China, trying to leverage its financial markets. They want to grab the huge savings in China. There are warmongers in Washington that are outfitting Taiwan with. Uh, continent-wide missiles, uh, etc. The big target of the U.S. today is Russia, the recovery under President Putin, uh, the rising living standards. Uh, they've already done a, a, a tremendous amount of bashing on the free elections in, uh, that elected the uh, Putin slate in, in Moscow. It's uninhibited, uh, vulgar. Uh, attacks from the BBC, the Financial Times, uh, less so on the front of the New York Times is just absolutely, uh, again, engaged in uh, vituperation. So there's really Russia bashing today is at the top of the agenda, precisely because Russia has, uh, has moved from being a, in a state of international pillage to at least uh, developing its national economy and raising uh, living standards and putting Russia on the map again. So do you, do you see that? So basically you're saying that Chavez should take care of his own country first. Of course. And that goes, if he wants to be internationally influential, the stronger domestically his popular base is, the more extensive and profound and efficient their uh, social move to socialism is, the more attractive it's going to be. There's a kind of dialectical relationship. You don't engage in international politics with uh, capitalist states and neglect your uh, domestic priorities and expect to have international stature for very long. For sure. Well, okay. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you very thank much, you much, and have a good day. Thank you. Bye. I'll keep in touch. Bye. Uh, that was the uh, interview with uh, Jim Petrus, who's... Um, Emeriti, emeritus professor at uh, in New York, and uh, he's a um, um, uh, analyst of uh, of the uh, situation in Venezuela, a longtime analyst of Latin American social change, um, and we reached him a day after the uh, events, the tumultuous events in uh, in um, in Venezuela. Uh, when the vote um, 
against the uh, against uh, the referendum um, was uh, announced um, last night. The government uh, electoral board in Venezuela uh, notified the public that uh, the referendum vote had lost, and uh, that was a vote to uh, of like sixty nine or so. Um, Resolu- uh, items in the re- referendum to um, improve the lot of uh, poor people in uh, Venezuela. Um, it also uh, was depicted by critics as a power grab because it would have allowed um, Chavez to uh, run indefinitely again for office. Um, and uh, and he actually mentioned, uh, Petrus mentioned this uh, CIA memo that uh, was reviewed uh, recently, a few days ago, uh, that talked about how to destabilize um, Venezuela and uh, change the situation there. Um, Petrus is the author of more than 62 books published in 29 languages and over 600 journals articles, uh, including the American Sociological Review, the British Journal of Sociology, Social Research, and the Journal of Peasant Studies. He has published over 2,000 articles in non-professional journals um, or newspapers, such as the New York Times, The Guardian, The Nation, Christian Science Monitor, Foreign Policy, New Left Review, Partisan Review, Tonk Modern, Le Monde Diplomatique, and his commentary is widely carried on the Internet. Uh, his publishers have included Random House, John Wiley, Westview, Rutledge, Macmillan, Verso, Z Books, and Pluto Books, um, the latter uh, left uh, publishers. Um, and uh, he is the winner of the, of the Career of Distinguished Service Award from the American Sociological Association's Marxist Sociology section and the Robert Kennedy Award for Best Book in 2002 and the Best Dissertation from the Western Political Science Association in 1968. His most recent titles include Unmasking Globalization, Imperialists of the 21st Century uh, in 2001, his, uh, he was also co-author of The Dynamics of Social Change in Latin America uh, in 2000, System in Crisis in 2003, uh, and co-author of Social Movements and State Power 2003, and co-author of Emperor with Imperialism in 2005, and also co-author of Multinationals on Trial in 2006. His long history of commitment to social justice uh, working in particular with the Brazilian Landless Workers Movement for 11 years. In 73-76, he was a member of the Bertrand Russell Tribunal on Repression in Latin America, and he writes a monthly column for the Mexican new newspaper La Jornada and previously for the Spanish daily uh, El Mundo. He received his MA or BA from Boston University and PhD from UC Berkeley. Um, you can contact him at uh, petrus.james at gmail.com and his website is um, petrus.james.com
dot lahine l a h i n e dot o r g, uh, where you can find his articles on the Middle East, on the U S, on the mid on uh, Latin America, um, and links to uh, interviews uh, he had done, uh, including one on Democracy Now uh, two days ago. Um, this is Dan Zhang with uh, Subversity here on KUCI. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, he also has uh, some articles on in Counterpunch that are linked on the Subversity website, and the most recent being uh, one on the CIA uh, destabilization memo uh, that surfaced uh, during the campaign. Uh, for this referendum, and here's uh, a bit of it. Uh, here's a and the title of that memo uh, of that article, sorry, on this CIA memo is CIA Venezuela Destabilization Memo Surfaces on November 26, 2007, says Jim Petrus. The Venezuelan government broadcast and circulated a confidential memo from the U.S. Embassy to the CIA, which, dra- devastatingly revealing, which is devastatingly revealing of U.S. clandestine operations and which will influence the referendum um, that occurred on Sunday. The memo sent by an embassy official, Michael Middleton Steer, was addressed to the director of CIA, Michael Hayden, the um, the memo was entitled "Advancing in the Last Phase of Operation Pincer," and updates the activity by a CIA unit with their hu- acronym HUMINT Human Intelligence, which is engaged in clandestine uh, action to destabilize the referendum and coordinates the civil military overthrow of the elected Chavez government. Says Petrus, the embassy CIA. Pose concede that 57% of the voters approved of the constitutional amendments, uh, but also predicted a 60% abstention. Um, the uh, U.S. operatives uh, emphasized the capacity to recruit former Chavez supporters among social democrats and the former minister of defense, Badoué. Um, claiming to have reduced the yes vote by 6% from the original, its original margin. Nevertheless, that, uh, the, operatives can see, the embassy operatives can see they, may have, they have reached their ceiling, recognize that they cannot defeat the amendments via the electoral vote route. Uh, actually, it did get defeated. The memo then recommends that Operation Pinza, uh, Operacion Tenaza, be operationalized. OP involves a two-pronged strategy of impeding the referendum, rejecting the outcome at the same time as calling for a no vote. The run-up to the referendum includes running phony polls, attacking electoral officials, and running propaganda through the private media accusing the government of fraud and calling for a no vote. Contradictions, the report emphasizes, are of no matter. the CIA embassy reports uh, internal division and recrim- re- recriminations amongst the opponents of the amendments, including several defections from the 
their umbrella group. The key and most dangerous threats to democracy raised by the embassy memo point to their success in mobilizing the private university students backed by top administrators to attack key government buildings including Presidential Palace, Supreme Court and National Electoral Council. The embassy is especially full of praise for the ex-Maoist Red Flag Group for its violent street fighting activity. Uh, that was alluded to in the uh, interview. Ironically, small Trotskyist sects and their trade unionists joined the ex-Maoists in opposing the constitutional amendments. The embassy, while discarding their Marxist rhetoric, perceives their opposition as fitting in with their overall strategy. So that also was um, mentioned in the interview as how the U.S. is able to um, overs- uh, bring together uh, people that they normally would not agree with uh, in opposition to Chavez. The ultimate objective of Operation Pincer, uh, says um, Petrus, is to seize a territorial or institutional base with the massive support of the defeated electoral minority within three or four days, uh, presumably after the elections, although this is not clear, says Jim Petrus, backed by an uprising um, by oppositionist military officers. So he's apparently quoting from this memo um, by oppositionist military officers, principally the Red, the National Guard. The embassy operative uh, concede that the military plotters have run into serious problems as key intelligence uh, operatives were detected, stores of arms were decommissioned, and several planners are under tight secure surveillance by the government, uh, I believe. Um, apart from the deep involvement of the U.S., the primary organization of the Venezuelan business elite, as well as the Major TV, uh, radio, and newspaper outlets have been engaged in a campaign of fear and intimidation. Um, food producers, wholesale, and retail distributors, as he mentioned in the interview, have created artificial shortages of basic food items and have provoked large capital flight to sow chaos in the hopes of reaping a no vote. And so that's... Uh, Part of his write-up in Counterpunch uh, newsletter um, on November 28th, uh, Jim Petrus, whom we interviewed earlier in this hour, uh, writing about the CIA memo on destabilizing um, Venezuela. Uh, With this victory in the uh, referendum vote, uh, the counter-forces now um, empowered or emboldened to continue the attack on the Chavez government. And so we look uh, for more analysis uh, in future from Jim Petrus. Uh, This is Dan Zhang with Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI.